Well, hello, everyone, and I just wanted to uh, stop by and uh, do something a little bit different uh, this week. So, uh, by the way, it's David. Uh, I'm that crazy atheist guy on the internet. No, this is not BSC Weekly. Uh, I did uh, want to stop by, do a little bit something different, since we already have a podcast up for this week. Uh, I'm just going to do uh, something that you might think of as the director's cut uh, for the podcast, because there are some things that uh, I want to talk about this week. I think the discussion got a little bit derailed this week on the discussion board, and I want to see if I can't uh, do my part to get it back on the rails. Uh, Also, if you are expecting to hear the uh, discussion on Pascal, good news! That will come at some time in the future. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, There are reasons we uh, keep putting it off. I don't uh, know how much of, um, you know, personal information I want to give uh, on the podcast uh, without permission. So let me just say that uh, some stuff is happening uh, in the lives of, um, you know, some of the participants. uh, That's pretty heavy, hard to deal with right now. So thoughts and prayers. Uh, from the Christians, thoughts and more thoughts from the atheists. Um, but um, you know, it's 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 always hard when uh, one of us is uh, suffering. So uh, we will leave it there. And uh, I I did want to put something else in the feed, though. Uh, like I said once again, just to kind of get things back on track and uh, see if we can get some of the discussion. Uh, on the board uh, in in a place where I think would be useful. So there were several things that came up that uh, has not actually been discussed, and there are things that I wish that I had had more time to discuss on the podcast, but we didn't. So when we first started, Robert Stanley uh, had told us that we had a time limit of about an hour. And so uh, as a moderator, I was trying to squeeze the three topics that we had into that hour. And they're each big topics. Each one of them could have taken an hour, and it was just a matter of you know how much how much discussion we could allow on any one topic so that we could do them all something that seemed like justice. Uh, but then uh, around the middle of the podcast, uh, Robert uh, gave us permission to press on. Uh, he was having a good time, and uh, I think it ended with him having a very good time too. So uh, we got a, a kind of a full length podcast, but uh, I was still very conscious of the time, and uh, so. Uh, I just want to go back and touch on a few things. So in the first section, and I'm sorry, I don't have timestamps uh, prepared for you with this, but just a few notes here. Uh, on the on the first section about whether the Bible uh, was true, and um, I, I just want to reiterate, I do think that's kind of an ill-formed question um, because the Bible has lots of genres, it does lots of things. So, you know, you can say, is the Bible literal? You can say, is the Bible uh, accurate with the with the things that it claims to be truth claims? But then we'd have to go through and say, well, what is a truth claim and what is not a truth claim? There are all, all kinds of ways to slice this. But the thing that I really wanted to say in the podcast is that under under... A Christian perspective, the Bible actually can't be wrong. I don't care whether you're a literalist or a non-literist, an, an, an errantist or an inerrantist. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. But all Christians think the Bible is true, 
And no Christian thinks the Bible can really be wrong. And so everything that the Christian says about the Bible is just kind of another way of protecting God from uh, being wrong. Uh, and so let's, uh, let's unpack that uh, a little bit. Uh, Christians have a, a number of methods excuse me, to keep the Bible from ever being truly wrong. Okay, so uh, one method, for instance, is to play games with genres. And you can say, well, you know, this particular passage, it seems to have some inaccuracies. Well, no, it doesn't have inaccuracies if you read it as this genre as opposed to the one you're looking at. So you're reading it as strict science or strict history that's not the genre, wrong genre. So, you know, that, that genre is the goalpost, and we just move it around wherever we want to. Oh, no, that, it's, that's not wrong. That's poetry, uh, you see. So it's, it's never actually wrong. Uh, and so that's, that's one of the ways to do it. Another way to do it is just to mix the genres. This is one of the things that Dale tried uh, on the pro, uh, podcast. Uh, he talked about... Uh, mythology slash history, or um, uh, something that is mytho-historic. Uh, there may be a number of ways to say it, but the upshot is it's something that some people might say is mythology that maybe a, a more conservative Christian doesn't want to call mythology, because uh, conservative Christians tend to think that the Bible does not have mythology um, in it. However, it, you can you can call it mytho-history. So, a kind of an acknowledgement that it may be something in addition to history, but still saying, but in, in general terms, it's still history. So that way, it's one way of saying, well, the details may be inaccurate. You know, those, that's the mytho part, but the history part is solid. Uh, I think a better uh, way to do it, if I were a Christian, would uh, say that it is uh, historical legend. Uh, so that would cover a lot of things like exaggerations in the Bible or hyperbole in the Bible. Yes, I know it said that it was 10,000 when it was really 100. But, you know, that was just the Bible being um, hyperbolic, you know. But it's, it's, you know, and I know that it said that the legend slew 10,000 people with a, with a jawbone of an ass, right? But it maybe he only killed 10 people. With a compound bow, <laughs> but but um, you know it's it's history in that this there was, this was a real guy and he had some real battles, but it's legend in maybe the details of it. So that's that's kind of one way to get around the Bible being wrong by just kind of creating new genre categories uh, and saying, yeah, it's history. Uh, is it, and it really happened, but you know, it's also this other thing. So maybe it really didn't happen that way. And so it's another way of protecting the Bible from being wrong. Now, Dale offered another, uh, proposal here for how do we keep the Bible from being wrong? And uh, I think it's a fairly unique uh, proposal. The more I think about it, uh, the more I think maybe it's not, uh, all that unique because, uh, we have what's called, uh, inerrantists. 
and I guess you would call them errantists. Uh, but uh, these are an inerrantist is someone who thinks that the Bible cannot be wrong at all. There are no mistakes. There are no errors. It's inerrant. Um, and so Dale is claims to not be an inerrantist. Okay, so we'll take Dale at his word. Uh, for that. So he believes that the Bible has errors. And there are a lot of people who claim not to be inerrantists. So Dale is not unique here. And so they might, uh, you know, you might can corner them on one thing or another and say, well, what about these things? That, that seems to be wrong. And uh, in this case, Dale acknowledged that the um, creation story was mo- very likely uh, an error in the Bible. Now, I, when I'm when I'm talking to Dale, and Dale is not the only one, uh, so I don't want Dale to feel picked on here. When I'm talking to people about this, and and they use these kind of um, halfway words, well, it's very probably blank. <laughs> I, I just I'm a, a little bit gobsmacked uh, that Dale is still hanging on to some possibility that the creation story. Uh, is not only literal but accurate that the, that the world really is only six thousand years old um, and was created all at once. Uh, he's still hanging on to some piece of that idea um, because he he always talks about it as very probably this way. Not not that it's definitely this way. Um, the other, uh, let me see if I can remember, the other example that he acknowledged was probably wrong is uh, the flood story. As very probably um, uh, meant as a worldwide flood, and we did not uh, most likely have a worldwide flood. That's uh, kind of how he talks about that thing, that one in general. And so uh, we've got at least a couple of examples here. Uh, excuse me, at least a couple of examples uh, where uh, the Bible is wrong, where, where there are errors in the Bible. So, um, yeah, so that's a, that's a problem, actually. And so that, that's one of the things that um, uh, Robert and I kind of pushed back on a little bit. You know, how can, how can you say the Bible's true in all its details, and yet, you know, we've got some major stories where it's not true. Um, and so Dale here is acknowledging there are errors, and yet he's using this very cleverly to protect the Bible from errors. So how's he doing it? How's the trick done? So uh, what Dale would do, and I suspect what others would do, is uh, say, well, yeah, that's an error, but it's not an important error. It's, it's not an error that, uh, in Dale's terms, would cause undue confusion. So, you know, it might cause a little confusion, but it's confusion on something minor. It's not important. So what does it matter if the flood covered the whole world or if it was just a uh, kind of a local or regional flood. What would, that, what would that matter? I mean, the whole purpose of the Bible and for God's plan in general is just to save as many people as possible. And so no, no one would possibly be lost because of that incorrect little detail. So that's, that's kind of how it spun. So in other words, God is not wrong about anything that matters. 
see, that's the, that's the parenthetical. And so, again, it's just kind of another way of saying, well, God can't be wrong. The Bible can't be wrong. Um, I would push back on that quite a lot. Uh, the creation story is the foundation of everything that comes after it. Uh, you do not get Genesis 4 without Genesis 1 through 3, let alone uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those things simply do not happen without the Genesis story. Now, I'm not going to go through uh, my entire theory of why you can't pull that out um, from the mix. I've, I've done a couple of podcasts uh, on that one with Randall Rouser, not uh, not too long ago. I think that one started season two. In fact, uh, we uh, covered this last year in season one. You can look back in the archives. Uh, but the the fact is, <clears throat> excuse me, you just can't pull out uh, the creation story uh, and have the rest of the Bible make sense. And in in my opinion, and so if you are reading just at a practical level the Bible, and you get through the first three pages, and let's just associate one page with each chapter. So you get through the first three chapters, first three pages roughly of a, a typically formatted Bible, and you see, oh, this is wrong in every detail, major and minor. You have no epistemic reason to turn the page to four. There's no reason for you to ever get to page four. And let's just pretend for a moment that everything from page four through page you know, 2000, you know, depending on how your Bible is formatted, uh, that everything else in there is 100% accurate. You have every reason not to know it because everything in the first three pages is inaccurate. You gave it, you gave it a page. You forgave it. You gave it a second page. You held your nose, you gave it a third page, everything is wrong. Certainly the major things are wrong here. There's no reason for a reasonable person to ever get to page four. And so, frankly, I'm not entirely sure why we should be required to even talk about the Bible uh, as, as a, uh, an in- important book for anything when you can't get past the first three pages because of the major inaccuracies uh, in there. So, yeah, these are some of the things that I uh, wanted to talk about in the first section. Let me just zoom through here, creation story. Uh, yeah, uh, one other thing, we'll just hang a lantern on this. Uh, Dell said that uh, if there were, say, moral errors in the Bible, it would come close to invalidating Christianity, uh, invalidating the Bible. He also used as an example, if it turned out that Moses wasn't true, uh, I wanted to ask, how would we, how would we ever come to decide that Moses wasn't true, that he wasn't a real person? Uh, the, the best I could do is read the books supposedly written by Moses come up with some good evidences that these things were not, in fact, written by one person. And, and that would stand as one way to invalidate the claim that one person wrote these books. I don't know that it would invalidate the claim that the one person existed, but if you, if you were attaching a person's actions to their existence and you can disprove several of the actions, then it is reasonable to suggest that that person maybe didn't exist, especially when the only source 
about that person is from one book and the details about that person are clearly inaccurate. And I think that's the situation we have in the Bible. So I think that that we can come as close as we can get to proving that Moses uh, was not a real person by just looking at the Bible and what it said about Moses and what we know about uh, that time and uh, what we can surmise about the, the writings and so forth. Uh, Moses was most likely not a real person. Uh, that said, just lay that aside. I just I just found that interesting because I am a Moses mythicist. That said, uh, Dale did say also that if you could prove that um, that there was that there was a moral error, I think is the way he put it in the Bible, uh, which which means that there's there's some command or something endorsed by God that was uh, uh, immoral, then then that would uh, go a long ways to disproving the Bible. Now. Excuse me. One of the things uh, I want to note, Dale did not say it would definitely uh, disprove Christianity. He said it would uh, be something like 85 percent negative uh, evidence. (laughs) But but Dale would still be able to hang on to it and weave the story. So, yeah, you know, Christianity on a balanced probability is, is still correct. So I don't want you to mistake what you heard from Dale. Dale would not stop being a Christian if you found some moral errors, and by the way, most Christians would not stop being Christians. They would just shift, uh, you know, some part of the story in their mind, just keep right on going. So if you think, ah, I can invalidate Christianity by finding a moral error in the Bible, you are wrong. You are, you are wasting your time. No one, no one is going to stop being a Christian just because of that. Now, that said... Uh, those sorts of things had a major effect on me. But the first one didn't. The second one didn't. (laughs) It took a long time. It took a lot of it uh, before those things really started to have an effect on me. So I'm just just saying, if you want to try to disprove Christianity um, based on uh, proving that moral errors exist in the Bible, it's a long, tough road. Uh, so the second part of, uh, the discussion, uh, we, uh, we talked a little bit about church and state. I don't want to talk all that much about politics. We talked about Christianity, um, democracy, um, theocracy, uh, monarchy. And, uh, I'm, I'm just curious, uh, do Christians really want a monarchy? I mean, I know that what Christians are saying is, yeah, we want a theocracy. Well, a theocracy is a monarchy with God on the throne, okay? It's just God is king as opposed to David is king. Uh, so do you really want a monarchy? And, and I would ask you to look back on history, whatever your knowledge of history is. You don't have to be a professional historian. Whatever your level of understanding of history is, just kind of look back on it and ask yourself, which monarchy in history do you think went well? Which, which one are you thinking to yourself, oh yeah, I would like to live under that king during that time because that time was such a good and prosperous, productive time for everybody. Which one would you choose? I am curious, is there a single monarchy that has ever happened on earth that you, that you look at fondly and think, oh, yeah, those were the days. 
Because I don't think there is. I, I think that most Christians would uh, shake their head and say no. And yet they sit around thinking, oh, but I, I want a monarchy because it'll be so much better. Well, you can look back in the Bible and let's just pretend like the Old Testament is history. We had a monarchy where God was on the throne ruling his people, Israel. Now, I just want you to go back and read your Bible because most Christians have not read their Bible. Please go back and read your Bible or just the sections in your Bible that talk about life under the theocracy of God. And tell me, would you really want to be a Jew during that time? Is that a time when you're thinking, oh, things were so much better then? Because I have my, read my Bible and uh, things were not better and I would not want to be under that monarchy. And so if God could never pull off a good monarchy here, what makes you think he's going to pull it off in heaven? In fact, do we have any priors for that? Well, we had a, a time when God was the king and all was well in the kingdom and yet it splintered in the war and a third of the uh, angels went with the other guy. Wow. So there's never been a good government under God. <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just wondering um, why Christians think it's going to change now. I know that I am just baiting you a little bit because no Christian is going to pay any attention to this, but I really wish you would think about it um, at, least, at least a little bit. Now, what system of government do I think? Because I, I'm a bit of a utopianist in that I, I think that we can have a better world, at least than the one we have now. Uh, something close to perfect, maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, but once again, much better than we have now. So what kind of government would that be? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be our government in a perfect world. Although in, in, in probably the most perfect world we can ever expect, democracy is probably the best one. But if I had some of the expectations of what Christians had, that we would be perfected human beings with perfect bodies and perfect minds, perfect emotionally, uh, perfect morally, uh, what kind of government would we need? Well, the answer is none. There's no government we would need. We don't need anyone to collect taxes, to build roads. We don't need anyone to set speed limits because we're all going to do the right thing there. We don't need anyone uh, to talk about uh, courts. We don't need judges and things like that because we're not going to have the kinds of disputes that take us to courts and uh, on battlefields. So, uh, frankly, a benevolent anarchy is uh, what I would expect from something like a heaven. You don't need a king, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, I just don't. I don't understand what uh, any kind of political system gives you when you're already in a perfected state. Uh, we've had a little bit of conversation with that on the, uh, on the board. Not much. Um, leave your thoughts there. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, we, get, we get back to the earlier question. Uh, how do we know if God is being immoral? Uh, because Dell because said, yeah, you know, it might be. Uh, that if you could prove that there were moral errors in the Bible, and that would be you know, some pretty good negative evidence against Christianity. Um, a question that I ask, I don't actually know if I ask this on podcast or not, is how would you know? How, how would you know if God was being immoral? What's, what's your measuring stick for that? Um, 
And so I want to get back to that uh, because we talked about the morality of the Bible or, or God's morality uh, in section three. And so I just want to start with that question. How would you know if God was being uh, immoral? And uh, Dale offers uh, another defeater. And basically, uh, with the various defeaters, it's kind of like the Bible. The, the Bible is never wrong uh, when you're talking to a Christian. God is never immoral when you're talking to a Christian. You, can, you will never be able to uh, find a situation where God is being immoral or that there's something immoral in the Bible. Uh, what we talked about, uh, we, we gave some, some specific examples and uh, the example that we spent the most time talking about was the Sabbath and uh, picking up picking up sticks on the Sabbath. And there's the one passage that is very explicit. Uh, there was a man who was called gathering wood on the Sabbath, and uh, they they put him in uh, put him in county jail. They got together and uh, wanted to know what to do with him. And God told them to take this man out to the edge of the city and stone him to death. Because what he did was wrong. And um, so Robert thought that was immoral. (laughs) I agreed with Robert. That just seems immoral. It seems like not justice. I don't don't actually care what the situation was. Let's say that uh, things were just getting started off um, with the Israelites. And this man, he just didn't want any part of it. In fact, he wanted to bring down the system. And so he wanted to show uh, that picking up sticks was a perfectly natural thing to do. And you people shouldn't submit to this law. I don't care how you pose it in your mind. The death penalty is immoral for this situation. Um, So I don't, I don't actually need to think about it. Um, much more deeply than that. Um, but if you want to, if you want to go Dale, if you want to go full Dale on this subject, uh, it is not immoral. Now, you know, we can talk about all the things that uh, Dale said, and I think this is an interesting part of the podcast you might want to go back and re-listen to. Um, it, I think the reasoning is deeply convoluted, and I'm not going to try to repeat it here. But I will summarize the defeater that Dell uses, and we'll call it the special circumstances defeater. This is why you can never say that God is immoral or that there's something immoral in the Bible. Because what Dale says is, oh, no, no. Um, Gathering wood on the Sabbath would normally be a death penalty offense because it's work. So, So Dale has classified you know, that is work. You can't work on the Sabbath. Um, but if you're picking up sticks and it's not work, you know, maybe that's, Dale would say, well, that's not a death penalty offense, even though that is exactly the circumstance in this story. Well, Dale adds something, and Robert, Robert calls him out, I think, um, accurately and says, you were adding something extra biblical in the story. The Bible doesn't say that. Dale didn't, didn't uh, appreciate that point so much, but Dale's argument was that this was a special circumstance, a special situation. This is not normative. So if other people 
in uh, Israel later on did exactly the same thing as this man, they wouldn't get the death penalty. This is Dale's argument. But he got the death penalty because this was a special circumstance. Now, we don't know exactly why Dale thinks it was a special circumstance. He just thinks, well, you know, it was the beginning of of, um, the Israelite situation, and it was important that all of the laws and God's authority be established, and this person was bucking against that trend, and so he had to die in a very public way. But, you know, once things are established, you know, no one would die for that. And he uh, likened it to the Ananias and Sapphira murders. And uh, Ananias and Sapphira, this is a New Testament example. These were uh, a couple. This is a time when everyone was giving large sums of money to the apostles. um, And they had sold some land. And uh, they presented the money that they, they held some back. By the way, holding some of the money back was not a crime. But they were presenting it as if, yeah, this is all the money we sold the land for. Uh, so, you know, maybe it makes them look a little bit better than what they were. But they look, still look pretty good. They were <laughs> sold their land and gave a huge chunk to the church. For this, they were put to death immediately by God. <laughs> they just dropped dead. God just killed him. <laughs> dead. And uh, Dale defends this by saying, oh, but the church was young. <laughs> This is a this is a special circumstance, you see? That's why it's not moral. Now, if this hap- it wouldn't happen today, you know, you can you can lie about how much money you're giving today and God's not going to kill you for it. It only happened back then because it was a special circumstance. This is how he defends the um the picking up sticks thing. Somehow he's worked out in his mind and I think it is truly just in his mind because it's not in the Bible anywhere. This is a special circumstance. And so with this type of defeater, you can just apply it to any of the atrocious things that God did throughout the Bible. Well, you know, he killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians and the Jews too, if they didn't have the, the their doorposts properly bloodied. Well, but that was a special circumstance. See how that works? He killed everybody in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah Every man, woman, and child. But that was a special circumstance. Yeah, he flooded the earth and drowned everybody. Special circumstance. Yes, he killed 70,000 Israelites because David took a sense of special circumstance. This is, this is the uh, special circumstance defeater. And so as long as you can say uh, that it was a special circumstance then somehow it's not immoral. You just, apparently God can get away with literally anything. But, you know, such as testing a man to kill his kid for no good reason. <laughs> so never mind all the trauma <laughs> that, that's, that goes to everybody. You can get away with, it's a special circumstance. So therefore, not evil, not immoral. What do you think about that? What do you think about the special circumstance defeater? I want to hear from Christians on that. Um, yeah, so I want to wrap up with uh, the death penalty. Uh, the death penalty. It, I'm not. I'm not so much talking about whether or not there should have been a death penalty. Okay, although I think in these special circumstances. There probably should not have been a death penalty, um, especially since God had other options, right? I mean, this guy, 
he could have exiled him from the people. That's, you know, an option. They could have left him in ward. He was in ward, which is, I, I think, a way of saying he was restrained or in some type of prison. He could have been left there, uh, not allowed to participate in uh, the Jewish customs and so forth. God had that option in front of him. So I did ask about this on the uh, podcast, and Dell's answer went straight to Molinism, which seems to me to defeat the special circumstance defeater, even. <laughs> because with Molinism... It's like, yeah, God could have done these other things, but if he had done anything else but had this man killed the way he was killed, then fewer souls would have been saved. And Dell honestly believes that in his heart. So no matter what happens today, no matter what happened in the past, no matter what the command is, no matter what the options appear to be, the one God chose is the best one because fewer souls would have been saved had God done something that seemed more moral. Um, this is just a, a non-starter for uh, all of the skeptics who have chimed on, in on this. I'm, I'm wondering how uh, some of the Christians feel uh, about this. But uh, moving past the question of the death penalty, uh, let's just assume the death penalty was a good idea. There are lots of ways to inflict the death penalty. The way it was inflicted here was that a man was stoned to death. So that you understand, rocks were... So I've heard stoning being described in a couple of different ways. So one of the ways uh, it's described is a person is placed somewhere and then large, a large stone is placed on their chest. And then people would come with large stones and place them on the per person. And they would just keep doing that until the person's buried alive. And uh, they eventually suffocate to death because of the weight of the stones on them. That's a terrifying way to die. I don't know if it is worse than the other way of stoning, which is to uh, take a person, uh, tie them to a stake, and then throw uh, big rocks at their head. <laughs> and just and Everybody in the city, they grab a rock, thump, whack. Next person, old lady, throws a rock, boom. Next person, you know, and they keep doing that until he's dead or until everyone gets a toss in, you know, whichever comes last. So, um, yeah, stoning, bad stuff. Maybe God had some more humane options available to him. For instance, God could have just turned him into a pillar of salt. Not a good option, but it's one he's exercised before, better than stoning. He could have simply caused the person to vanish before their eyes, better than stoning. Uh, he could have uh, done a thing that he did in war once, uh, which is just to send the death angel and, you know, make sure this guy just dies. Or he could have pulled the Ananias and Sapphira and they, he could have just dropped dead in front of them for no apparent reason. All better than stoning. These are, these are options that are far more humane. They could have cooked up a concoction, poison, better than stoning, right? So there were all kinds of options for killing that were available to these people. But God, not the people, God chose one of the most barbaric methods they had available to them. 
This, this kind of doubles the whammy for me. First of all, this should not have been an offense, period. Second of all, it certainly shouldn't have been a death penalty offense. Third of all, it shouldn't have been a barbaric death penalty offense. Are you kidding me? This is what you are saying your good God does. Of all the ways he had available to kill this person, let's get all of the people involved and brutally murder him. Because those are the kinds of dreams you want these people having. <laughs> right? No trauma with that at all. Come on. Come on. All right. That's, um, I think that's going to do it for me. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, these are some of the things, once again, I, I kind of wish that there had been time for. Think of this as the director's cut. Um, so some things that I wanted to pull out and uh, talk about in the podcast. Uh, let me know what you think about this. Do you like this kind of uh, uh, post-podcast uh, chat? Do you like this? Do you, do you like the solo shows at all? Because they're kind of a lot of work, and I'll be glad to not do them if nobody likes it. But if you do, I'll, I'll be glad to do them too, because they're kind of fun. So uh, let me know how this worked out for you. Uh, it's possible that we will do Pascal next week, but if we don't, I have other things. Uh, I have other things that I can do there, so don't worry about it. But I'm not going to announce what you will hear next week. Uh, we will just hear it uh, next week. It might be uh, a special guest, a new Christian voice that you haven't heard before. That that's possible. Uh, we've got a couple of those. Uh, lined up toward the end of the month. So we've got some things to look forward to. At any rate, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, if I don't hear from you again on the boards, uh, have a great week. Otherwise, see you on the boards. Bye.
And I would like to direct everybody to the right to reason.com as well. Um, right about the time this will probably come out, we were uh, speaking to a guy that believed he could heal people. Um, another episode uh, following that up as we speak to uh, Dave Warnock, a guy who's uh, uh, just realized or was just diagnosed with ALS and knows that he's about to die. And we discussed what. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, then we're following that up with a panpsychism debate. And after that, I will be debating a man that believes birds aren't real. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Right to reason.com uh, or find it on YouTube. Click subscribe, hit the bell just to make sure that you catch those episodes, especially if you have ever wondered if birds are real or not. We're going to find out. Thanks, guys, so much. I really appreciate this.